HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Souther Teague. Hey, Souther. How you doing? How, how, long, you, how long has it been since you uh, got hit by that car? Uh, yesterday was one month. Ah. So one month and one day. Cool, man. How sucks. you feeling? It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> My arm is still broken. Um, surgery has been ruled out. I don't have to have surgery. I Good. just have to keep wearing the sling for another couple weeks, and then we're going to do what the doctor called aggressive physical therapy. And when I said, what's aggressive mean? He just looked at me and said, painful. <laughs> painful physical therapy is coming my way oh man in fact after the show i've got to make a few phone calls and set up my first appointment oh geez well at least you're you know in the clear as far as surgery goes so that's yeah good. i took the week off i went down yeah, to were, uh, yeah, I went down to north carolina. carolina to my buddy's farm it's called mountain chase it's his family farm it's beautiful what happens down there kind of nothing it's gorgeous <laughs> you know just 88 acres of beautiful pasture land and a uh, little bit of forest and we just wandered around and drank a lot of delicious very inexpensive whiskey that's yeah i i mean i can imagine wait what, did you pick up anything or breathing back uh, i brought back um two 1.75 liter bottles I brought, I brought back a ancient ancient age 10 year expression that was 19 dollars. oh my god and the heaven hill white label uh six year bottled in bond uh which was 14 dollars and 50 cents that's great man <laughs> Yeah, unbelievable. An un- a great week of relaxing and whiskey drinking. Nice, man. Well, I'm going with up? you next time. Hell yeah, you are. You're totally invited. There's work that needs to be done down there, and I couldn't do a lot of it with a broken arm. It's a farm. I could do it. I know, right? It's you're not, you're definitely up. more cut out for it than me. <laughs> cool, man. Uh, why don't you uh, introduce our guest today? Why not? In the studio today, we've got Adrian Stillman, who um, our most recent uh, project is a book called Where Bartenders Drink. Welcome to the studio. Thanks, guys. The studio is where we drink. (laughs) Great to have you here. You haven't been on the show before, have you? 
No, I haven't been on the show. I can't believe that. We've known each other for a very long time. Well, you moved away. You've been living in in California for the last four years or so, right? Yeah. So I moved to Napa Valley uh, in 2013. Why'd you do that? Uh, Well, I met a boy. Oh, And that's where he lived. So he said, hey, come live in wine country. And I said, okay. Well, you took good advantage of that. What have you been doing in wine country? I did. Besides getting married. (laughs) Uh, So when I moved out, I spent a year at the Culinary Institute, the same one that has a campus in Hyde Park, uh, upstate New York, has a campus in St. Helena, Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. And out there, they have a wine and beverage program. So What's it called? It's like Stonehenge or something. um, It's uh, Greystone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Stonehenge. I had to think about that for a second. (laughs) Kind of like that. Actually, it's a really cool building. It's... um, uh, one of the earliest buildings in, in the Napa Valley, and it was originally built as a co-op for local grape growers to come bring their grapes and make wine. And um, before electricity and pumps, you had to bring the grapes up to like the top floor and then feed them by gravity down into the barrels. Uh, and so there were all, there were all kinds of great photographs of these contraptions and men walking around on... Uh, um, on like scaffolding outside to get the grapes in at the top so that they could fall down and break and ferment in the barrels. No amount of work seems too great in, a, in an effort to make alcohol. <laughs> if we've learned anything from the human condition, <laughs> nothing stops us from building contraptions that will make us alcohol. Yeah, that's true. Yep, yep. And a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. So, um, so what were you? So, you, what were you doing at the culinary institute? So, I spent a year doing there studying wine, uh, mostly wine. There was a, sort of a there was a it was wine technically wine and beverage, but uh, most of it was was wine. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and I at the end of that, I took the um, uh, court of master sommeliers uh, certified sommelier exam. So it was a, a pretty intense. Um, yeah, that's not an easy. That's not an easy test. No, uh, so it's I've not. heard. It's hard. Um, it was it was great. It was really awesome to. Um, be just immersed in in wine and spend a concentrated time learning about it. Otherwise, you know, you kind of it's here and there. It's oh, I go to a restaurant and I tried this cool wine or I read this article, and but you don't. You can, it's really hard to hit that critical mass where you can then really have a core understanding of the whole ecosystem and and all the different regions of the world. And certainly, there's uh, I have you know I have a. I have a thing. I have a solid foundation, but wine is something that you can study for your whole life and not, you know, still kind of not know um, many, many things. So uh, it's a yeah lifelong um, pursuit. But um, uh, it was it, that was just a fascinating experience. Um, and then uh, after I did that program, I started working with a company um, that uh, we provide make software for wineries basically to mm-hmm. allow them to sell wine directly to consumers. So instead of a winery selling to a distributor who sells to a retailer or a restaurant who sells to you buying the wine directly from the winery. Right. Which is great for everybody. I think that sounds like it's great for the maker. Mm-hmm. They're probably getting a greater profit dollar, but also for the consumer, if you're, you feel more connected to the winery. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you really get that, um, that inside track to it, how are the great, where are the grapes being grown? How are they being grown? What's happening in the winery? Um, and in the same way that uh, people are, have become really interested in knowing where their steak came from, um, now they're also becoming interested in where their Cabernet Sauvignon came from. And I think that's really great for, I mean, it's, I think it's great for, for people. I think it's great for the farmers who are making the wine. And in many cases, it's 
small, you know, it's like one guy with his couple acres of land. Um, and that's a reason that I love the internet because it allows somebody like that to get, make their product available to a wide group of people relatively easily and cheaply in a way that you definitely couldn't have happened, um, you know, in the past. Uh, and I think it's great for the, like on a more macro level, it's great for the environment because, when people have, as we are more focused on organic and like demanding that the people who supply us with food practice sustainability and good, you know, good practices, uh, the more connected, directly connected you are with that person, the more you can make that demand and, and seek out products that, that meet your, um, or that are in keeping with that and support people who are on, you know, making that their mission. Right. Absolutely. Um, is it, I, I don't know if I missed this or what, but uh, is it exclusive to California or have you branched out? Um, the company that I work for? Yeah, we're inter- actually international. You are? Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's called Wine Direct and we operate in California, uh, or sorry, in the U.S., all over the U.S. We have clients in like Kentucky, Florida, Ohio, Arkansas, all these places. You did not know they made wine there. They make wine and they sell it on the internet and it's awesome. Uh, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Say it again, WineNet. Wine Direct. Wine Direct. Sorry. Yep. Wine Direct. Yep. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you've you were led west by a young man. I was. But then you dove into wine because you already had an interest in drinking cocktails. Yes. That's right. That's so, how we met. That is how we met. Um, you were doing a project here in New York. You I talk, was. You, do you want to talk about that? I will. You don't so, have to. You, no, seem, I, you seem hesitant. No, I, <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to give me the setup, you know? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> What got you into drinking? There's the setup. Well, uh, so in 2012, I had been working in finance for a number of years, and I decided I didn't want to do that with the rest of my life. And I like, basically made a list of the things that I was interested in doing. And it was like cocktails, food, travel, shoes, <laughs> And I'm like, so basically, you made a list that said, I'm what like, I'm interested in is vacation. Yeah, basically. And I'm like, how am I going to make a career out of any of these things? This is not a good start. Um, and uh, so that kind of brought me into the into the food food and beverage world more broadly. And I just began to explore, uh, how could I have a career in this space that I find so exciting? Uh, and I, what I ended up doing is uh, with a college friend of mine, Alexa Scordato, mm-hmm. yep. um, we started a website called Dipsology, D-I-P-S-O-L-O-G-Y. And that name is from uh, Dipsa, which is the ancient Greek for thirst. And uh, dipsomania was a medical term used in the like 1800s for someone with an incurable thirst for alcohol. So, dipsology. There's a picture of Souther Teague. And- <laughs> That's right. <laughs> In the dictionary entry, it's just our names. This guy. That's right. Um, so... Uh, so we started that. It was a guide to uh, great cocktail bars in New York City. And we did uh, a bunch of great cocktail events. Um, and that is... In a way, that was kind of the prototype for Where Bartenders Drink, uh, my book, which is ostensibly why I'm here today. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, and kind of a the like the sort of jumping off point to to working on that project. Yeah, cool. and uh, it's uh, is it still in act? Is it active? Dipsology. Um, it's kind of on hold. Okay. 
Yeah. So I, I flipped over there to, to it today just to see what was going on. And yeah. It looked like it hadn't been touched in a while, but down at the bottom there was a link for your book. So I was yes. like, well, she's still using it, whether we it's active to, or not. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of, you know, has gathered some cobwebs. Um, the book is definitely a more up-to-date reference yeah. sure. um, at this point. So. And broader, right? Dipsology was pretty, pretty, pretty stuck to New York. Oh yeah, right? it was. It was only in New York. Yeah. And we, you know, had ambitions to expand it, but it was very much focused on New York only. And the book is global, yeah. so it's um, uh, seven hundred and fifty. That's correct. So wide. Yep, seven hundred and fifty bars, sixty countries, uh, six continents. Cool. And um, as recommended by two hundred and twenty-five bartenders including Souther. I'm one of them that's right that's right so we've, we'll get Damon in in the second edition cool but he, you know, his bar's in there so. but his bar is in there Grand Army is, See, in, that's, is in the book that's you know I could no one wants to listen to me about where to go to drink as long as someone else is telling other people to go drink at my bar then that's that's, that's the real win right there that's right that's a, <laughs> a W um, what are you doing in town right now I didn't ask that before well, are you doing uh, anything? You just visiting your your family? I mostly visiting. Yeah. So my best friend got married last weekend in Congratulations. Greenwich. Oh, I thought you married your best friend. <laughs> oh, no. oh. <laughs> my other best friend. Okay. <laughs> Second best. Um, so my my husband and I are in town for the week, hanging out. Cool. Talking, oh, so it's not work, it's not work at all. But I remember when when you were here. When was that? Was that January, February? It was cold March. out. It was March when we did our the event at Rizzoli. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was March. Yeah, we did a you did a, a, a your book touring, I guess, to some mm-hmm. degree, and mm-hmm. there was a bookstore here in yeah. New York, and you got myself and the Fords and uh, Megan Dorman. Oh, and Megan Dorman also. up on stage. Yep. That was and we a all great talked event. about the book, and it sold out at that event, if I remember right. It right? did. Yeah, they a, sold out of all their copies. Of it was the a packed house. It was. It was a great great evening yeah it was fun yeah so and then i think we kind of tentatively set this date at that time that's right? correct i yeah. thought so i just thought you're in town for business or something i'm in town for this oh right on yeah oh for the radio show yeah, that's I'm important here. stuff this important work we're doing <laughs> that's right so, um so you had the book or the, uh, the website dipsology which led yeah. to the book where bartenders drink yeah the last word on the glass uh it's out on fade and publishing right um uh, so, okay, I just need to know, like, I, I kind of have an idea of what your process was with this. I mean, you already had practiced by going around New York, but, like, as far as, I mean, how did you, what was the vetting process for who you were, who were the bartenders that you were Yeah, I, I have a follow-up question to that. What was the vetting uh-huh. process, and then how did you get everybody's email? Well, <laughs> um, the answer to both questions is sort of, like, Facebook. Hmm. Um, so... As you both know, the Makes bartending sense. community is very active on Facebook. And so I he- used it Brother. heavily <laughs> to find the right people. And in, you know, for New York and for much of the U.S., I knew I, I, I knew you, for example. Um, and so I sent you an email. Uh, and then um, I, one of the things I was really focused on was making sure that the book... It, this book could very easily have been a book about like New York, London, L.A., San Francisco... Tokyo, like that's it. Sure, right. Um, you, I mean, you could write you could write a book about 750 bars in New York City. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but but I we didn't want to do that. It's um, just one neighborhood. Yeah. Right. Right. These days, yeah. So um, it was really important to me that we include a broad geographical, um, you know, sampling of people and places. And so I spent a lot of time trying to identify who to talk to in Latvia. And Lithuania mm. and um, Romania, uh, Belarus, 
and and so I for that I used a lot of um, I would look up like who had won the Diageo World Class because they do it by country. Mm-hmm. Oh right, and That's like smart. almost every country has at least an ent- entrant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I then I would look I would Google that person and like internet stalk them. And send them a Facebook message, and um, and that's actually one of the things. So a lot of this book was like detective work. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I spent hours and hours and hours on Facebook sending out messages to to people I'd never met, asking them if they would like to contribute to this book. Um, and what was really exciting is that the overwhelming positive response from these hundreds of people who I have never met, mm. uh, who were like really excited to get back to me and gave me their email and responded to the you know when I got the survey out, um, responded and uh, had telephone conversations with me to tell me about you know what's going on in Atlanta and what's going on in Hong Kong and. Um, and all these, you know, far-flung markets that uh, I don't haven't necessarily had the pleasure of being able to travel to myself. So, really, writing the book was also like a vicarious vacation. Um, cool. And and yeah, it <laughs> that was. Is, it's very cool. Yeah, it was really cool, and um, and I'm really proud that there are so many countries represented in the book. And I I wanted to get all 50 states. We didn't get all 50 states. Who's missing? Um, North Carolina. What? I was just there. Well, look. (laughs) Some great bars down there. Well, well, you know, this is, as we were saying before the show, the nature of printing anything is that it's out of date, like, as soon as it's in your hand, no matter how, um, you know, no matter how vigilant you are about updating it. So um, there's... uh, there's, I have said it a number of times, you know, since the book came out. Oh, second edition, we'll have to include that one. Um, uh, but it's, you know, it's true. So um, I did try to get North Carolina, and I, I was, sort of came up with nothing. I, there's Charleston's in the book. North Carolina, we're coming um, for you. That's right. Uh, we're missing Vermont and New Hampshire. Wow. Um, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Guys, know, send in your submissions. Seriously. Dakotas, Montana. I get uh, Montana is um, a little sparse. A little sparse. <laughs> I don't know if we have Idaho, um, but we do have because uh, that's sort of not as interesting. What we don't have, what we do have, yeah. um, is uh, Oklahoma. We've got Oklahoma. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> um, we've got Oklahoma. We've got Ohio, uh, Alabama, um, a bunch of places in Pittsburgh. So we yeah. got Philadelphia. We also got a bunch in Pittsburgh. Um, Arizona. It's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's 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 covering Kentucky. as much as it can can cover. And yeah. I think the first edition, as you mentioned, will spark that interest from people, and they'll be like, "Wait a minute, right. we didn't make the book. Let's right. let's let's make our voice let's, he- let's make our voice heard. Yeah. Let's open right. a bar. So you'll probably <laughs> let's open a bar so, like, so you can be in the book. It's you wanna, perfect. You want to create a, a, a an email? We'll we'll blast it out on the radio, and people start emailing you. I'll write this second. You think about it. And while you're thinking about it, we should probably take a break and hear from our sponsor. That's true. Well, let's be be quick, because I want to hear more about this book. Yeah, let's do it. All right, back in a moment. Heritage Foods USA is a farm-to-table online butcher and founding sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Foods got its start when Patrick Martin's first stepped foot onto Frank Reese's Kansas Farm in 2001. Back then, Frank was the only farmer in America raising true heritage turkeys with recorded lineages tracing back more than 150 years. Patrick knew instantly he'd found a unique moment, an opportunity to go beyond acknowledging these breeds as being jeopardized and to actually do something to save them. 
Patrick asked Frank to ramp up production and made a promise to him that if he would raise them, Heritage Foods USA would sell them. That was the moment that Heritage Foods' slogan, Eat Them to Save Them, was born. By creating a market for delicious meats from Heritage Breeds, we can ensure they'll be around for generations to come. Plus, Heritage Breeds just tastes a whole lot better. Learn more at HeritageFoodsUSA.com and use the code HERITAGERADIO for two free pork chops with your first order, brother. Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And we have our buddy, author, Adrian Stillman, in the studio today, which has been talking about her book, Where Bartenders Drink. And, yeah, Oklahoma made the cut. Sweet. Nice. <laughs> Oklahoma. Here, let me let me look them up real, real quick. All right. I can tell you. What do you think, Dan? So we have the... Tell, tell me what you think is going to be there. Um, Ludivine? Ludivine. Hell yeah. RNJ Cocktail uh, Supper Club? I have the High Low Club. The High Low Club, of course. Yeah, of course. Which I really love the... This was recommended... Do you know Jeffrey Cole? I think I do. Okay, so he's the one who recommended this bar, and he said, They say that if Freddie Mercury, Mae West, and Che Guevara had a love child, she and her girlfriend would come here. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So that doesn't want to make you get on a plane to Oklahoma City. I don't know what will. Uh, so you just kind of uh, read a, a, a recommendation from the book. So, so that I don't think we, you know, it's it's not a visual media radio. So, explain how the book works to the listener. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's, so, because I remember getting an email from you, and you went from there. So, how'd it go? Mm-hmm. So, when I um, when I solicited these recommendations, I emailed. Uh, these you know 200 um, and change bartenders all over the world and asked a series of questions and I asked for their uh, for bar recommendations for bars in a couple of categories I wanted a late night bar a hotel bar a neighborhood bar a local must visit as in like if you come to Oklahoma City do not leave town without visiting X a bar that's worth the travel um, That's a good one. And, and the bar that you um, wish you'd opened. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really fun category. Um, I mean, they were all fun, but particularly wish I'd opened because we got a lot of really interesting, um, you know, backstories about why people wish they'd opened that bar. Um, Tony Abuganem said he wished he'd opened employees only, <laughs> um, which was a fun, you know, fun conversation to have. Uh, so... Um, so those were the categories. Cool. And then in terms of how the bar is then, or the book rather, is then organized is it's organized by geography. So it's bar listings. Each kind of entry is the name of the bar, the location, phone number, uh, website, some basic stuff. When is it open? And then, uh, and then there are quotes from the people who recommended the bar about why they recommended it, what they love about it. Um, Did you have any, I, I can't, I don't have my copy with me and I can't remember. Did Was there any... Ranking isn't the right word, but was there any, like, hash marks for how many people recommended this particular bar? Like, say, you know, did, did 25 people recommend the high-low, you know? Or? Yeah, you know, they, they aren't included in the book, so, like, I know that. But you have that. But opinion. they're not actually in here. So, um, Second edition. Well, what was one thing that was really, I think, 
the so this where bartenders drink is part of a series that began with where chefs eat, mm-hmm. which some people may be familiar with. Um, I did not have anything to do with that book, which is a question I get a lot. So just to head that off at the pass, <laughs> um, but uh, the it was the same concept. It's they asked chefs where they eat, and in that book they did list out the, all the names, and I think maybe space they decided cut that for right this, for this one it's, it's a big it's, it's a tome it's a brick it's, of a it's book. already yeah, like really large is. yeah um and where chef's eat is like twice the size um but uh is there, is there ever going to be like a where bartenders eat and where chefs drink right right i feel like that is the a really match, the mashup <laughs> really good well because there's i mean you know chefs have have the down low on like good places to drink and the same thing with bartenders. So course, I feel like yeah. there's a total opportunity there. I yeah. feel like I talk to bartenders more about like other than on the show, more about like last place you ate and like, yeah. what yeah. would you like cooking right now? You know? And yeah. I feel like chefs just like, they always want a beer, man. <laughs> they, want, yes. they want something to drink. <laughs> yeah. So it could be an interesting uh, crossover. I love that idea. Let's do it. We'll write yeah, it together. Man. Done. Yeah, right. but I will say that um, what's interesting is that, so there were a few bars that were recommended by a lot of people, um, and the and they're kind of you know um, like the American Bar at the Savoy. Um, I think I, I think I recommended that. I think you, in, you did. In my, yeah, in my uh, worth the travel. Mm-hmm. Exactly, uh, Bar High Five in Tokyo. Um, uh, I think Attaboy is in that. Uh, employees only. In um, in the New York location, which is the only one that was open when the book when I was researching the book, um, so there's a few kind of those like highlights. Oh, the Nomad and PDT. So those got a lot of recommendations. Um, but the most I think the no, most number of recommendations of any bar was maybe like 25, mm. which is you know okay that's 10 percent of the 225 bartenders who contributed, um, but. Once you once you got out of that top like five maybe ten where you had kind of over ten people had recommended each one, you really really quickly got into one person recommending each bar, hmm. um, which I think is cool because it speaks to the diversity of the bars in the book, um, and it would be really easy for you know it's relatively easy to find out about the most popular cocktail bars all over the world and like in the biggest markets. And I, although those are included in the book and it's important for them to be here to me, that's not really the most interesting thing about the book. Cause you can, they're all over the internet. You know, you don't, right. you don't need to buy this book to know that the nomad is a great bar. Right. Um, or that, you know, PDT ha- like has a long wait, you know, that's yeah. <laughs> it's like not that, that useful. Um, what it's I worth think, the wait though. Exactly. Um, but the, you know, like just to, I'm, I have the page open to, um, to Brooklyn, to the page with Grand Army, um, Damon's Bar. Um, but yeah. one of the other ones on here is uh, a place called Buttermilk on Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, recommended by Theo Lieberman. And he says, it's a local neighborhood dive. You can bring your own potato chips and they have Miller High Life and Fernet. You are never going to find that. And I love the O'Learman. I'll yeah. take that recommendation in a heartbeat. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I, you're, you're right. You'll never get that recommendation on, like, you know, Yelp or whatever. Top yeah. 38 yeah. bars to drink at right now. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. No. It's never going to be on there. No. So I think that's the what's fun about this book and what's really valuable about it. 
Yeah, plus just that, uh, that, that, even that little blurb, you know, granted I happen to know Theo Lieberman, but I think even if I was reading that and not knowing him, that, that statement means a lot. That, that says a lot about the bar. Mm-hmm. Probably says a pretty fair deal about the recommender as well. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, that's. I was going to say that it's and and, and each rec, each each uh, recommender. What do you call them? Is that is that a right word? Contributor. Contributor. Thank you. <laughs> each contributor has a little blurb about themselves, right? So it surely says in there that Theo was a part of Milk and Honey or whatever, right? An EMP. Like right. You, you suddenly go, oh, this guy's got credentials, and he says these things about things I love: Miller High Life and Fernet Branca and potato chips. It's also <laughs> an interesting way just to get to know some of the people you read about all the time. Sure. Yeah. Press, you, you know? You're getting some insight on the bartender themselves. And especially for it's a great book. I think also for the like for the new bartender, it's like uh, you know like it's fun for you know consumers and people who don't work in the industry to like get the inside scoop on you know where to go and what to do. Oh, of course, uh, from the bartender, and we're always getting asked look, by look, customers. Yeah, you know? look behind the curtain. That's what everybody wants. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think for it's a it's especially important for like new bartenders because then they can be like, all right, it's not about me wearing. A vest and tie all the time. I can go eat potato chips and drink High Life and Fernet, and like actually do what the pros do. Yeah, <laughs> in a way, and be a normal person. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Sometimes, uh, especially for those maybe who aren't in our business, they don't know that about us. You know, like everyone thinks that I just drink Amaro all the time. <laughs> well, you do. Well, I, uh, true. So that's a bad <laughs> example. Um, no, but I I sit right here on this show every week and I drink a Budweiser. It's delicious. Um, sometimes we have whiskey with it. Yeah. Um, I, if you see me at a bar that I've never been to and they have a swizzle on the menu, I am compelled to order that. I, I cannot say no to a swizzle. Yeah. You know, it's like little things that people don't know about me. Um, only four hamburgers a year? Only four hamburgers a year. <laughs> only four? Is that like seasonal? Do you space no, them out? I, no, I just have four a year. I could have four in a row, I guess, if I've never done okay. that. Last one was in January. Where was it? <laughs> it's not about me, this show. Uh, it was at Happiest Hour. Um I, I, posted, I posted on Facebook in the daytime. Everybody that knows me knows I only eat four a year. And I just said, I think tonight's a burger night. And it made it special because I had a burger that was pretty fucking delicious. And 12 people showed up to have it with me. I feel like I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was sad that I was not available to join you. See, I'm, tell, I'm telling you. you know? Where bartenders eat. Yeah. Mike, I Mike's love a nice it. Book. Damon's <laughs> on to something there. I'm, I'm going to let you do it because that looks like a really big book, and I don't think I have the time or patience to to do it. So it looks like you're Thanks. well versed in this, and you <laughs> you can take that project. It but is, I'll help you. Yeah. It is a lot of you know you were saying oh we could just update it like every three months, but it's an unbelievable amount of work to mm-hmm. go through all of the <laughs> entries. Right, and like you said, you know, before it's even finished, the ink's not even dry before it's already some, something's changed, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's either arrived on the scene or someone's left the scene. Right. Or both. Right. Like so, you said, you said there were even some bars that literally came and went between when you started and when it was printed, right? Yes. That's definitely true. Which is sad. We hate to hear that. Yeah. 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 So, where does Adrian like to drink? Oh, wow. Turn the tables, Damon. Right? It's aha journalism. About the author. (laughs) Well, and the other thing that was kind of funny about this book is that, um, you know, it's not, I'm not a bartender, and therefore my recommendations are not included. Really? You didn't leave yourself one page in there to be like, here's my face. Yeah. No, (laughs) I didn't. Um, I mean, you know, you can kind of, if you read the introduction. Very humble of you. And the essays, there's the, in addition to the listings, there are some short essays included um, about kind of some, some of the major regions and areas uh, that talks about the, 
a little bit of the history and kind of you know what you what to expect when you go to Tokyo and you walk into a Ginza cocktail bar, which is a pretty rarefied experience. That um, you kind of discuss a few pointers and like how much should you tip? Yeah, uh, that type of thing. So those are included um, uh, in the book as well. And if you read those, you'll kind of get you know some of my more of my uh, so it's like a, input a, a, there. A miniature Lonely Planet. Uh, for the right. yeah for drinking culture yeah yeah that's cool exactly um, but so my picks for the bars so my um, late night bar is uh, Attaboy mm-hmm. which is right around the corner from where I used to live on uh, um, on Allen and Delancey oh, wow. and Milk and Honey was the first bar where I had my first real cocktail that kind of you know really like put me on this trajectory so that bar holds a very special place in my heart um in addition to the fact that it's just a great bar like without any sentimental reasons um hotel bar um i do really love the nomad in new york they have just done leo robicek and his team have done such a phenomenal job at the nomad um favorite neighborhood bar so at this point, because I live in Napa, my favorite neighborhood bar is a little wine bar called Cadet, uh, which is like the only wine bar in Napa, which you might think is kind of weird. Like, why is there not more wine bars in Napa? But there aren't. There's just, there's one. <laughs> um, everyone does tastings at their wineries. Right. right. Everyone has a winery sure. instead of a wine yeah. bar. Um, so, but Cadet has a great champagne and they have a cool record collection. And if you go in and you buy a bottle, you get to pick a record and they're open till 2 a.m., which is just pretty late. For the yeah, Napa crowd. Woo, it's exciting. <laughs> um, my local must visit. I'd have to do that in New York because there's Napa's kind of slim pickings. <clears throat> um, but my local, let's see, local must visit in New York. Um, Wait for it. I'm waiting. It's <laughs> hard. We put you on the spot. I guess it... <sighs> It was an aha moment. Well, I'm trying to think of, other, you know, because like so many bars, you kind of put can go in like different, different right? Even categories. I, I, think, I think even when so, when I answered neighborhood bar, I don't think I answered my own neighborhood. I just thought of right. a good neighborhood bar that I like, right? Which uh, is I don't remember what I put, but um, I'm pretty sure you recommend it. Hold on, you recommended McSorley's, but I think that was your local must visit. Yeah, I mean, I live just a few blocks from there. neighborhood Rob Roy. Oh, Rob Roy, yeah, in Seattle. Yeah, which is like nowhere. <laughs> Three thousand miles away from where Nowhere you near. live, <laughs> uh, Rob Roy from a yeah. new, a new. Uh, I was going to say a new Optavius, new a new Elford. Elford. She married Chris Elford. That's right. Um, she married her best friend. Uh, <laughs> that's what this show's about. Circling back. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's what's your favorite? Uh, worth the uh, worth, worth the, the tra- travel? Yeah, worth the travel. Well, so the the bar that I really really want want to go I to mean, now it's probably New York. Is can, yeah right. <laughs> um, I really I haven't been. I really want to go to Tokyo. I really want to go to Bar High Five in Tokyo. Cool. And re, you know, researching this book, I mentioned Ginza earlier, um, which is a like, neighborhood in Tokyo where a lot of these really high-end cocktail bars are, and it was fascinating doing the research on how the cocktail scene evolved in Japan, um, what the approach there is, because it's, it's pretty different from, at least um, in, you know, in Ginza and among that community, it's, it's very different from other, other areas of the world. Um, and they're they're very um, there's this incredible focus on uh, 
the execution and the the process behind the bar of of mixing the drink and how it is presented to you is as important as how it tastes when mm-hmm. it hits the table and it's it's like a you know you don't stand up at the bar you sit down um it's quiet you someone described it to me like uh you know it's like going to a Michelin restaurant you know you you um it's like an incredible experience but it's it's also and it's and it's very specific you know you're not going to have a beer and a shot and unwind at the end of the night that is if you that's what you want to do do not go right to any of these bars is not the right choice this is a place to go when you want to sit at the bar and really um be impressed by the craft and, and, of the and pampered like yes very and pampered. pampering yes this style yes absolutely so that's um that's on my that's like top of my cocktail hit list yeah amazing yeah, yeah um i'm just gonna throw it at you I'm sure you haven't heard of it. It literally just opened. I had to reach in my wallet and find the card. But Frank Cisneros is doing that style of cocktail here in New York now, a 10-seat bar. And it's called Bar Uchu. Uchu. U-C-H-U. Uchu, with the hard U on the end. So... You should check it out. I will. It just opened. It just That's opened. That's awesome. And Frank actually was one of my... Contributors? Contributors. Nice. To the, I mean, he contributed his recommendations, um, and he... Uh, for those who don't know, uh, lived in Tokyo for a while, for a, a nine well, months or a year. A little over a I year. Just, yeah. just over a year. Um, and so he, and he's traveled back since he's been back a few times. He's very deep into deep, this. Yeah. And and he was a great resource to talk to, not only to get his bar recommendations, but to, to hear more about the culture over there. And particularly for Westerners who are going to visit Japan, mm-hmm. you kind of need a little more help. Uh, figuring out what you know, how you should, how you should act in the bar, or or how to find the bar. Yeah, the addresses are impossible, and I make a note. Well, they're of that often they're often the, like on in high rise buildings. Yes, and it's, they're in an, it's in a, an office a, building, t- tiny little floor. Yeah, right. And so you know, for us from New York, who were used to walking up to the address and seeing a sign for the bar and walking straight in the door, not going into like an office building and taking an elevator up to the fifteenth floor and go, you know, two doors past the hair salon is the bar. <laughs> right. Um, so he was really invaluable in, in providing some of that insight yeah. um, about, about specifically about Tokyo. Frank's a good dude. Yeah. Um, the bar opened actually while I was away. So I've only seen it in, in being built. And then now I came back and it's, it's open. I heard, I just heard last night. Cool. Anyway, let's do we some. We need to go. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I really enjoy Frank's company. He, he, he I don't think I did forever. <laughs> I took, did anyone Frankie cocktails? Uh, um, but but man, he is he's really coming to his own, and I I really enjoy seeing him when I do. Um, let's do some aha journalism. What would you pick, Damon? Because you weren't in the book. There we go. Oh shit! Uh, which which category? I don't know. Throw a couple at him. Let's start. Let's start with wish I'd opened. Oh yeah, Maury Margot, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, Keen's Trap House. Oh come on. <laughs> Although, no, although um, that's awesome. I mean, come on. That are like Old Town Bar. I love old, old bar, old bars, like sure. the old uh, ballroom style. Like, um, yeah, man. That or Skinny Dennis. <laughs> that's a pretty disparate. All right. <laughs> old Town Bar or Skinny Dennis would be the wish you opened. <laughs> All right. What about um, your, your New York local must-visit? Don't leave town without going. I would say McSorley's. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. I said too. For it's, sure. it's just fucking great. It's just a legendary place where when you walk in there, if you're not just a total jackass, you feel 
really comfortable. Yeah, like absolutely. If, if you're a jackass, they might give you some attitude, but they just want you to be comfortable and drink some beers. Yeah, man. I'd say even uh, like Angel Share, which has that mm-hmm. very like old school like sure. Japanese cocktail bar kind of vibe, but yeah. it's like kind of bustling, you know. Um, and it's been around since '94. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Doesn't get the credit that it's probably due. Because mm-hmm. those guys don't rattle any cages and like say, yeah. "Hey, look at me! Look at me!" They just quietly just do, do their thing. Yeah. All right. Next one. What else you got? Uh, a favorite neighborhood bar. Grand Army. Cheater. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it used to be. Um, what's the What's the um, Oh God! I can never remember the name of it. We just always call it the Tile Bar. Oh, and uh, in it is it's it's the radio station, right? It's it's good. no. Yeah, it's the is Tile it called Bar the Library. No, you talking about called? on Seventh and First? Yeah, everyone calls it the Tile Bar, but there's that clock in the back that's got the radio call sign right. on it. That's the name of the bar. Oh, and there's two of them. I found out. Right, there's one on the west side. I didn't realize they were. Okay. Yeah. But it's also I, a radio station. I really like that one. Yeah, Tile Bar. Great. Seven dollars yeah. for two ounces of chartreuse. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Into it. Yeah. Yeah. Four bucks, um, four that, bucks more gets you a high life. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one. All right. Hotel Bar. Um, the uh, Maxfields in the Palace Hotel in San Francisco. Mm. Oh, that's, a giant, that's the, not the in pie, the book. What's that? It's not in the book, so tell us. Oh, yeah. So uh, the Palace Hotel is... Uh, it's a really old school, beautiful hotel in like downtown San Francisco. And the very first time I ever went there was to guest bartend at Beretta with Ryan Fitzgerald. And they put me up in that hotel and that was that bar is the bar in the lobby and the back bar, instead of having a giant mirror, not dissimilar to Keene's, where there's a giant painting of Mrs. Keen Miss Keene's sure. uh, behind the bar. Also a big giant mural behind the bar, Angel Share. That too, yeah. Well, I like that style. So at Maxfield's, it's named after Maxfield Parish, and the painting is gigantic, mm-hmm. and it's the Pied Piper. And then the ceilings are all this like beautiful, kind of like stained glass. There's light coming through. It's just a really cool, again, old hotel bar. Or not around anymore. The defunct uh, Cold Cord Oyster Bar in Oklahoma City at the Cold Cord oh. Building. That place mm-hmm. was cool. Um, there's a bunch I could name off more. That's your that's your hotel. What's your what's your what's what's left? Late night. <laughs> yeah, oh, let's God. hear this. Uh, the Brooklyn Inn. The Brooklyn Inn mm-hmm. in uh, mm-hmm. Borum Hill. The place has been around for over 100, 130 years. I have a painting of the Brooklyn Inn on my wall. You do? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> At uh, the Sunny's. Uh, um, oh, is it John, John Tebow painted John it? John Tebow yeah. painted it. Great, great. It's gonna be in this book. Rad. Um, yeah, it's been around for over 130 years. Um, sometimes they don't even play music in there. Yes. It's mostly light jazz. Not like light jazz, but like jazz played lightly um, in the background. They don't have TVs. I mean, they just have a very standard back bar selection, but it's it's a great place to go late at night, especially late at night because it's just full of like neighborhood regulars. And there's a pool table, so you just hear like, Billiards cracking in the back, and then people hanging out the front. And it's got the these the mirrors are insane. The mirrors behind the bar are like about twenty feet tall, and they kind of have this kind of faulted thing that kind of makes the back bar look like a like a stage, like a theater. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And uh, yeah, anyway, it's my late night spot. All right, the last one is uh, worth the travel. 
the high low club in mm. Oklahoma City. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Or Lukenbach. Just the town of Lukenbach? The town of Lukenbach. Yeah, they have the feed and seed store bar, right? Yeah. It's oh, post feed office. Feed and seed store post office bar. I've been there. Yeah. Where is this? Lukenbach, Texas. Texas. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's outside of, uh, kind of, not directly outside of Austin, but it's uh, outside of Fredericksburg, Texas. And it's it's where all the country greats played. Let's go to Lukenbach, Texas. Willie and Waylon and, and the boys. There we go. Yeah. That's, that's the town. <laughs> And uh, yeah, you just go and drink uh, drink Lone Stars and play yep. horseshoes in the yard and listen to country music. Yep, that's where I want to be. That's that's a really brilliant place. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, it's been great having you on the show, and it's obvious that there's a need for a second edition because you got to include people like Damon. So obvious, <laughs> um, guys. Um, thank you for having me. This was really fun. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Thank you. Um, is there uh, um, a link or a website or something you want to talk about to get the get a copy of the book in the in the people's hands? Uh, you can buy the book on Amazon. That's, Amazon. That's the easy, that? easiest place to get it. <laughs> is that a fulfillment company? <laughs> little, little, it's a little mom and pop bookstore. That's um, right. It's the one that you can't get wine on. <laughs> All, actually, you can. You can. You can buy wine on Amazon. Jesus um, Christ! If it's also it's widely available at many small independent booksellers. If you would prefer to procure your books that way. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I'd recommend. So there's that. There's Wine Direct. Direct. Yep. .com. The book. Where Bartenders Drink. Where Bartenders Drink. And yeah, thanks so much for being on the show. It's great. Guys, thanks for having me. My pleasure. It's kind of like weirdly we got to catch up with you and some other bartenders. Yep. Vicariously through the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Next week, we don't know who's going to be on next week. Right? Is that it? Might be Katie Stipe. Is might be Katie waiting, Stipe. We're waiting to hear back. I would love it if it was Katie Stipe. Um, then the following week we've got uh, the Empire of Booze is a is a book, and the writer's name always escapes me. Jeff Henry Jeffries. Henry Jeffries. That's why I, yeah. I keep I keep one thing. His name is Jeffrey. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the next week we got uh, Darren Grenya from Your Sincerely right out here in Brooklyn. They have a, a crazy um, program at that bar. All drinks are on tap. And they're freaking delicious. The following week, Tanya Guffey. Whoa. The Guppy. <laughs> and past that, I've got Kyle and Rachel Ford. And, you know, more junk even beyond that. Um, so <laughs> please tune in and listen to the Speakeasy every week. Um, this was a great show. I really appreciate you being in the studio. Yeah. yeah Thanks, Adrian. What do you Thanks, got? Thanks, guys. That's, that sounds good to me. I'm out of town this weekend at a wedding in Ohio, California. I might see some people out in San Francisco. Right on. Um, playing a show, too, right? Playing a show in Ohio on Saturday night. Nice. The Ohio Rancho Inn. Yeah. Ohio cool. Rancho Inn. Yeah, man. Brothers. And then uh, then we'll be back and rocking and rolling as always. Yeah, man. All right, cool. Well, until next week, I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. And this is the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Check out the website for many more programs like this one. Till then, cheers. Cheers, guys. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.